0: Hi, welcome to Grin and Parrot, a podcast where a couple of teachers talk about current trends in education. I'm Paige Polseen. I'm Kathy Barth. And we're so happy you've decided to join us. Thank you so much, those of you who have given us great reviews on iTunes. Please, if you like the podcast, tell your friends about it. Give us some reviews. Go on our website, growthperspectives.org and give us some ideas for topics you're interested in hearing about, or just... Or let's uh, continue the conversation. Continue the conversation. Tell us what you think. So, uh, we're going to start with Kathy. She's got some really interesting stuff to talk about, so take it away. Well, we're recording this right after Thanksgiving, and I spent a
1: fair amount of time stuck in a car. (laughs) And uh, what do you do when you're stuck in a car? You listen to audio books or podcasts, or in this case, I was listening to NPR. I was listening to a show called Hidden Brain, and I would just really recommend it if you hadn't discovered it yet. Hidden Um, Brain. Hidden Brain. And this particular episode of Hidden Brain was was titled Zip Code Destiny, The Persistent Power of Place in Education. And I'm not going to just recap this whole episode, but it did get me thinking about something that has been a very, quite a controversial topic for teachers for a long time, and that would be the idea of merit pay. Um, You know, I know a lot of teachers, it comes up in conversation, and there are absolutely pros and cons, but the typical view i get of it is that it would be a big con i mean it would be a, something that most teachers don't seem to be in favor of mm-hmm. and i think the fear is that we would somehow we would reward some behaviors that we don't necessarily want for long-term outcomes mm-hmm. so for instance we don't really want teachers just teaching to succeed on a standardized test sure and having that be their only their major goal right which merit pay kind of would tend to you think might tend to encourage, right? Right. We also don't want. We also um, don't want teachers to isolate themselves and not share with their fellow teachers. And if merit pay is something they're competing for, so it just oh, depends on Oh, interesting.
0: It's done, yeah. Then that
1: might make make for a situation oh, where teachers sure. don't want to work together, sure, because they're competing for yeah, these resources. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Right. So the overall, I guess what I'm really saying is that overall, I've heard mostly negative responses to the whole idea of merit pay. Yeah. But the person um, being interviewed on uh, Hidden Brain had a, a very interesting take on it, you know, and he was talking about he's a, a um, economist at Harvard and he was talking about uh, the results of some research he'd done about how important it is, your zip code, how important it is where you grow up. Mm -hmm. And part of the importance of that is the school that you go to, Mm -hmm. right? And so one little tiny bit of the discussion, and the whole discussion was completely interesting, so Mm -hmm. I would recommend people go and listen to it. But one little bit of it, the part that got me thinking, was talking about um, how important, in turn, then teachers are to students and what makes the difference between a good teacher and somebody who doesn't have as much impact right and how can we encourage people to come and be teachers and kind of uplift the profession right you know and like I said that wasn't the whole that wasn't really the focus of what he was talking about but it was interesting
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you know in the u.s um, people become teachers in oftentimes it's kind of a fallback. That's not thats not the profession that our best and brightest are flocking to. Right. Right? Lots of us who are teachers are incredibly dedicated and intelligent and incapable people who did well in school. So I'm not dissing people who are teachers by any means. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, but, you know, we're encouraging uh kids to go into engineering, to go into STEM, to go off and do something else where they can make a lot of money and be very stable. And teaching's kind of not one of those things, Yeah, you know, because we, teachers aren't paid enough in most cases. Right. And there are places they're paid a fair amount, but they're not paid enough. And teaching is perceived in our country as something people do. For a couple of reasons, one is that they just have an overwhelming desire to work for the greater good of our society, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Which is in complete disregard to how much money they might make, right? Right. Um, and another reason somebody might become a teacher is um, it, they could they they basically kind of feel a calling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of considered to be more of a calling mm-hmm. than something you would do based on a on a um, an economic decision for your life or something that you're doing, you're pursuing because you're passionate about it and think, um, well, that's not what I want to say. I was going to say and think that it it would be satisfying. No, we choose it because we think it's going to be satisfying. Mm -hmm. But but the economics are very real. Mm -hmm. And we know, most of us going into teaching, that we're probably going to be able to live on a teacher's salary, but we may not live well on a teacher's salary. And Mm -hmm. we may have to have a second income we may not be able to stop working at various times in our lives that we maybe would have a choice with some other job Mm -hmm. that was more financially viable right you know um and and so this was just kind of a very interesting discussion that i thought um anyway i was talking about why people become teachers (laughs) it's a fallback in the u.s it's not not necessarily people's first choice because it is low pay because it's perceived as not having a lot of getting a lot of respect compared sure. to some other things, yeah. and it's a hard job. Yes, it is. And it's a it's a hard job. Look at the statistics on how many people quit teaching after their right. first, you know, within their first five years. Isn't that the number yeah. we,
0: yeah, you know,
1: huge numbers of people, yeah. leave teaching mm-hmm. before they hit the five year mark
0: because
1: mm-hmm. it is a difficult job. He mentioned Finland. <laughs> Finland is in the news all the time about education <laughs> and in, about Reiki. Finland, yeah, in Finland and in other some other countries as well. It's not just Finland. <laughs> um, the profession of teaching is highly respected, and you have kids that are going to start their higher education, and that's their goal. They want to become a teacher. They they think that's the best use of of their brightness. Right. You know. And we just don't see that as much here. Sure. It's not that we never see it. We just don't see it as right.
0: much. Right, right.
1: Um, and then, you know, we also face in our country uh, an issue with teacher recruitment and retention. That's the phrase that we see all the time, recruitment and retention. And we have a teacher shortage in our country, but it's not so much on in numbers from what I can gather in my research. It's not really that on paper we have a shortage. It's just that the distribution is wrong. So certain kinds of teaching... Are experiencing a shortage, like um special ed, sure, and I don't know computer science. And I mean, you know, there there are certain categories right. of teachers that we're short on, mm-hmm. and then there are certain locations that have a hard time attracting teachers, like deeply rural, yeah, remotely remote places, yeah. have a hard time attracting teachers. Inner city schools have a hard time yes. attracting teachers, right? But on paper. We have enough people to go around. Right. It's just a matter of incentivizing where they go. Right. You know? Anyway, so, you know, obviously this got me thinking, and it's something that I've talked about and debated with lots of people over the years, is how do we fix this? And I don't have a fix. (laughs) A lot of great minds have been working on this problem, Mm -hmm. and they don't know Mm -hmm. what to do about it. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is is that U.S. teachers make less than 60 cents paid, on every dollar, paid to people with the same level of education in other professions. Yeah. Sixty cents.
0: I know. I know. And we we are talked about that in, a little, in an way episode. Way more of, yeah. than
1: child care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at the level of education that's required yeah. for teachers. Yeah. Sixty cents. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and this was according, this figure was according to a 2017 report by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So we're at the bottom of the list for more than two dozen industrialized nations in the world.
0: Yes. It's, it's crazy. Ridiculous. So how does merit pay fit into this? Is merit well, pay a possible way towards a fix?
1: Merit pay is a possible way towards a fix because because um, if we were able to figure out a system of merit pay, then it would start to address that inequity because part of the issues people have with, just paying teachers, is that it's a very um, lockstep progression right now. Mm-hmm. It's number of years of experience and amount of education. Mm-hmm. And that's what determines your pay. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with whether your students are learning. Um, the teacher that, I mean, the nightmare teacher that I don't meet these teachers, but the one we hear about all the time that sits mm-hmm. and doesn't care about their students mm-hmm. is paid the same amount as the one that puts in 75 hours a week
0: right? So keep going. Okay.
1: So so the idea is that you could incentivize somehow recruitment of teachers and then you could offer some merit pay. But the problem with merit pay is how do you off, how do you how do you show merit? Like what does a teacher right. need to do right to be considered a better teacher than the person next door and earn merit pay? Yes.
0: Well, and does it have to be a this person is better than that person or no, this person no, no, no is better than they were 6 months ago well, or you know what is the thing that defines merit
1: and that is not the deciding right and because and i think
0: that's part of the problem right. that that especially teachers have seen in the whole discussion is if you say merit is student achievement on standardized yeah. tests then you're pretty much screwed for any teacher who's teaching in a low SES neighborhood because there are and not just that but there are so many other factors that go into right. a student's success on standardized tests and absolutely um and so so how do we define what merit is well, if we're giving pay for merit well this is a big pay part of
1: the, problem yeah. that the sticking point that we're having with talking about merit pay because people are defining it in different ways there is no accepted Um, standard for it. And the feeling also is that to take time out and figure out the standard is going to take away from what we're actually doing to teach. Right. Because we can't necessarily figure it out in, you know, a meeting.
0: Sure. Right, And the other question is, where does that money then come from?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. I have <laughs> no answer for that. Mm-hmm. I have no answer for that. I mean, school districts would have to make provisions right, to be able to offer this. Right, and they know? already have a hard time. This person being interviewed on Hidden Brain had a, a, a very interesting and not well-defined, but a, a take on merit pay that I hadn't really thought about, and it was to use the testing, use test scores to help contribute toward the idea of merit pay, Mm -hmm. but to not just do it on a year-by-year basis, to look at a teacher's, look at students over the course of three, four, five years and see if they consistently kept a higher um, set of scores.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, And in his opinion... That would go a long way towards showing whether that teacher was teaching more than just the, the topics of the test, whether they were having some success in educating children and how to learn and how to figure out answers and and.
0: So you'd look maybe at a student's success the last year of high school, let's say. Looking back, and then divide that merit up by all the teachers they've right. had in their education I have no answer career. for you, Paige. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, but, but but that makes there more are sense some possibilities. Sure, right. Sure, and I would think because I am all about professional development uh-huh. and continuing education and trying to always be better myself. Right? Could we could we maybe base merit pay on uh, doing a certain level of quality of lesson based on observations by admin or outside. Well, they did that when I was a student teacher.
1: Oh, I always, I
0: regularly have, and depending on the school, but teachers regularly have ongoing observations.
1: Sure, sure. No, 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 I'm saying they had a they had a
0: checklist. It oh, sure. A, it
1: wasn't officially a rubric, but there was a checklist. Yeah. Did you yeah. have your anticipatory set? Absolutely. And your
0: little whatever Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have something similar. And so, yeah, it could be based on a rubric. It could be based on uh, this time I want to see X, Y, or Z, or, uh-huh. you know, a certain level of student engagement or whatever sure. it is. Sure. Sure. And maybe at least balance that out right. with student grades or student test scores. Right.
1: I mean, we hear, I hear a lot of arguments against the idea of merit pay because the perception, I think, is that, uh, well, it's it's complicated, obviously, but um, part of the perception is, is that one teacher might be able to put on a better show yes. for an observation mm-hmm. than another teacher. Yes. And, and that wouldn't necessarily be fair. Right. And another teacher might have a classroom where, they got a lot of the drags. I mean, let's yeah. face it. That yeah. A lot of times, to assert a, yeah. a particular teacher in a grade level or whatever is going to yeah. be given some of the uh, yeah a higher proportion of yeah. the students that the other teachers don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's going to affect it. That's hardly fair. Right. You know, because we can't control how right. much sleep their get, kids are getting or yes or. Um, the quality how of their the nutrition, students interact. or what their family life is like mm-hmm. or, or all of their social skills right. or whatever it is, right. you know, we have a much more limited scope of influence. Mm-hmm. And so how do you figure out the merit based on that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I think we need to talk about it because we need we to need attract something. teachers to teaching. Yeah. And part of that is paying them better. Yeah. And part of that is giving them, back
0: their self-respect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a little bit of a drastic way to put it, but... (laughs) Sure. Well, and give the society back uh, that level of respect for the profession. Mm -hmm. But another similar issue, I think, that goes along with this is also recognizing and paying teachers for... Taking on leadership roles sure. for getting um, more advanced training and right. certain things. Yes. Because yes. right now in a lot of places, like there's no, you plateau as a teacher. And if you really want to get paid more in education, then you better move into administration. Right. But if yeah, what you want to no, do is teach, there's, there's, you, you, there's definitely a ceiling. Right. And it's not going much past a hundred thousand. Uh, not yeah, around here. Yeah, and um, and that's like if you if you've topped out and you're about ready to retire, you and may you be have making.
1: A PhD. Yes,
0: you may <laughs> be making close to that.
1: Right, but.
0: That's 30 years into a career. Right. You know, or 20, right. 25 years into and a career. it's
1: not, and we, and we've talked about this, and I've talked about it with lots of people. That's not an accurate representation of, of a person's worth as an employee. At <sighs> yes, all. In, uh, and, in and terms why, of experience why would, or anything. Why would somebody going into college right now be attracted to a professional? No, not if they, they have other options. Be able to pay them no. anything close to what they're worth. So, yeah,
0: yeah, or to what other people in their generation so and level of education are needs, getting paid.
1: Right. Something needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are, there are probably more teachers than almost any other <laughs> profession, right? If you, you no, that might be a wide, <laughs> but that would be an
0: interesting <laughs> thing to look at. Sure, yeah.
1: sure. So this got me thinking. I would encourage you to go listen to that. Yourselves. I just pulled out one tiny little mm-hmm. nugget that I mm-hmm. thought about, which is the merit well, pay discussion. Well, I think merit pay is but,
0: certainly something for us to be mm-hmm. or thinking about, and the larger issues of respect for the profession, right. livable um, wages, professional wages for teachers. It's ridiculous that in our country we have teachers who have to. Have multiple jobs just to make ends meet right. because they cannot oh,
1: I agree. feed
0: their kids on their teacher pay. It's, re- yeah, it's that is outrageous. Yeah, completely. So outrageous. Something has to change. Yeah.
1: So, besides, I mean, if we I think merit pay could work really well, besides the epic bureaucratic nightmare it would represent yes. <laughs> and, and the per, potentially counterprotective mm-hmm. competition among teachers and how difficult the success would, would be to measure, right. and Where is, the money is. would come from, other than if, you know, than all, all of those things, <laughs> things, it could work really well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> it, I think, but it, I do think it's a discussion that needs it's certainly worth, happening.
0: Absolutely, it's <laughs> worth thinking about. <laughs> so that yeah. moves us into our nitty gritty teacher topic, and. What I want to do is sort of piggyback on something that Kathy was talking about in our last episode about note-taking and doing take notes by hand, doing take notes on the computer, what's most effective. And I want to talk for a few minutes about visual note-taking because this is something that I have just been learning about and thinking about and trying to implement in my own classroom. and. The more I read about it, the more I hear about it, the more I'm convinced it really is a good thing to do. And so visual note-taking is, the name sort of says it all. Basically, it's applying a visual element to whatever informational notes the students are taking. And it can be done in a lot of different ways. It can just be adding another column to your Cornell notes Mm -hmm. and... Attaching a visual to whatever information you've just um, annotated for your Cornell notes. It could be as broad as sketch noting an entire page that's just random drawings with arrows connecting mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And it can be anything in between. And so I've been trying to do this with my students because I do feel like, the, and the research is very clear, a picture in this, what's, I I heard and I read a name for it that I had never heard. It's called the picture superiority effect, and adding a picture to a piece of information, especially especially if the students create the picture themselves, uh-huh. adding uh-huh. a picture to a piece of information can increase recall by sixty five percent. Wow! It's a huge wow. benefit because and it makes sense right when they're note-taking just like what Kathy was talking about last episode when we have to write our notes we have mm-hmm. to think about the information we have to make choices we have to kind of organize,
1: it. organize
0: it we have to think about the material mm-hmm. it's not just we're not just staring just at blindly. it we're processing yeah. the material yes. and visual note-taking takes that a step further because then we have to take that material, think about what would be a good visual representation for it, organize that in our head, and create it on the page. And just by doing that, even if we never look at it again, Mm -hmm. just by doing that, we are increasing our understanding of the material and our memory of the material. Yeah, it's huge.
1: I just saw a meme online. (laughs) I won't say where. (laughs) And it was um, two spellings of the word peace. Peace. Mhm. And the P I E of a piece of had a little triangular piece of pie written around it. Fun, Yeah. And P E A C E had a peace sign over the A. Mm-hmm. The A was made into a peace sign. So this is kind of what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm a pretty good speller, but I will never wonder I before E in the word peace again. Exactly. Because or which spelling <laughs> or goes, which with, spelling which goes with which meaning. Exactly.
0: So <laughs> So this is something that I'm trying to incorporate, and with with varying success. Of course, the students will be I don't know I'm not a good artist, Right. And so right. they really need to be trained in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Which this is where I've realized that I'm lacking because I'm 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 telling them to do it, and right. I'm showing them a little bit, but I'm not modeling as well as I could because mm-hmm. I'm not as
1: comfortable You're not with as
0: confident it. with it yet, and And so some students are just like, yeah, this is great. And some will draw a picture for the first couple of items. But another thing is time. It it does take more time for them to process and think and draw. But it sounds like the rewards could be outstanding. But so this is my thing, that I have to figure out how to pace things in the classroom to allow for that time. Right. Because you want the payoff. I want the payoff. Exactly. (laughs) And so I for example, I just started a new Shakespeare unit and I had my students do some visual note taking, just adding it to their Cornel Cornell notes. We're talking about Shakespeare's life. And then we started watching Much Ado About Nothing. Mm-hmm. Which, folks, if you haven't seen Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing, go to Amazon or wherever you can find it and watch it because <laughs> it's phenomenal. It. But um So I'm talking to them about the characters and the events in Much Ado About Nothing. And I realized that yesterday, while I was giving my students the information and the names Mm -hmm. in a more visual way than I normally do, I wasn't adding pictures to that. So I think what I'm going to do tomorrow when I go in, and, and we've already seen part of the play is to recap and start looking at relationships and I'm going to draw the pictures Uh, and have the students help me draw the pictures that show the relationships between Beatrice and Benedict Uh and Hero and Claudio and and Don Pedro and Don John. And, you know, how can we pictorially represent those relationships? And I will draw those big with the students' input and then have them... um, draw their own or copy what I've drawn and and work on modeling that. I think that's a great idea. I'll keep you updated, but the research seems pretty darn clear that adding a visual component, and this is an interesting thing, right, because traditional teachers, old school teachers would go, well, we can't let our kids doodle, they're just (laughs) wasting their time. (laughs) But it turns out that doodling about the things we're talking about actually is hugely beneficial, so... So I would encourage people to try it and I'm, like I said, I am just, I'm still just learning about it and figuring out how to put it together in my own classroom. So I'll let you know. Okay. But I do have a couple of sources. Sure. To go with visual note taking and, uh, that I have gotten great reviews about. Once again, I'm not going to, I'm still just exploring them. So I'm not going to give a hands down, um, recommendation, but I'm looking at the Sketch Note handbook by a guy named Mike Road, R-O-H-D-E. And, um, it looks like I, cause this is what I realized is I really need to do more than just think about it. I need to train myself as mm-hmm. well as train my students. So I'm using that book. And I also found a really fun website Called verbal to visual, oh. and it is spelled out verbaltovisual.com dot com. So it's just all lowercase those three words together, verbal to visual, uh-huh. and they have a whole series of instructional videos about sketch noting, which is another um, sure. phrase or way to talk about visual note taking. So I would encourage you to check out their website as well and just see and play. Could be fun. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, to add to the fun,
1: I'd like to talk about a cocktail. Yes. <laughs> so um, over the weekend, I went out to dinner with the group, and the special at the restaurant was a daiquiri. And I'm not, I'm not a big fan of daiquiris as I know them because um, they're, they're just kind of those frozen frothy things that are they're kind of too sweet and I just think of them that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not a huge fan. But it was on special and it was described to us and everything. And um and it and it was delicious. So it mm-hmm. came in this coupe glass coupe or coupe, you uh-huh. know, the, the wide champagne glass. Oh, okay.
0: The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like the old fashioned champagne. Like the glass. old fashioned
1: yeah. that we're not supposed to use for champagne anymore because right. it lets too many bubbles out. Right, right, right. right. We need the flute. <laughs> That's right. But for this you don't need the flute. You need an mm-hmm. old fashioned champagne glass. And and basically it's a rum drink. Mm-hmm. So it's rum and simple syrup and lime juice. And mm-hmm. it was amazing. Wow. Because it was just very simple. Uh-huh. But it was very it was quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, the recipe that I found that I think probably sounds like uh, roughly what I had mm-hmm. uh, is an ounce and a half of white rum, a half ounce of simple syrup, and an ounce of lime juice. So that's a pretty good ratio of lime juice to rum and simple syrup. Makes it not too sweet, and garnish, garnish with a lime.
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> it fun. It was
1: fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just shaken. It was it uh-huh. was shaken and poured without any ice. Oh,
0: okay. So okay. Anyway, we, we should, should try us. it. That sounds great. Okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode, but we do want to remind you that coming up on February 23rd, uh-huh. we have an event that we hope you will join us for. We're very excited about. It's called the Teacher Renewal Day. It's a chance for teachers to come together and just relax and eat good food and talk to other teachers and maybe make some art, do some exercise. Have some just relaxed, good downtime together. choices
1: about the downtime.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll have lots of (laughs) options for you. And it's just going to be a really good day. So we will let you know more details as we get them ironed out. But you can always find that information on our website, growthperspectives.org. So please stop over there at the website, look at our events page, and you'll see everything that's going on for the Teacher Renewal Day. So please consider joining us. Also, remember to leave us a review and tell your friends about the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time when you might hear Kathy say, Will this be on the test? Hey there, it's Paige. Listen, I just wanted to correct the date. Love Our Teacher Renewal Day. It's actually happening on March 9th, 2019 here in Riverside, California. Please come join us. It's going to be a phenomenal day.